welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Well, it's August 28th, 2019, and today I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama, and today we have a great opportunity to have Ann Mara Hinton as well as Dr. Rick uh, here from Lifeline, and we are going to talk today about how to advocate for your child at school. And while we know that a lot of kids are already back in the swing of school, we also know that many of our children who have come to into our homes, either through adoption or foster care, many times have struggles when it comes to schooling. And we know that this is a, a common uh, occurrence with foster and adopted parents. So I wanted to talk today specifically with Ann Mara Hinton, who works with Lifeline as an expert in the field of helping children uh, with their schooling and educational differences, as well as our very own Dr. Rick, who helps engage with our education programs here at Lifeline. But before we get into uh, talking about these issues, I just want to remind you, in a world in which two sides debate between being pro-life and bringing justice to those in need, I want believers and the world to know that these two choices are not mutually exclusive. In fact, being pro-life means that our pro-life ethic extends beyond being pro-birth. It means we fight for racial equality. It means we care for women seeking an abortion with the love of Christ. And it means that we embrace life no matter what syndrome may be attached to a person's identity. That's why I recently had the opportunity to partner with our team at Lifeline to write a book entitled Image Bears, which will be released this fall. And beloved, I hope that this book can help us all understand that being pro-life is to love, serve, and fight for those who are made in God's image. From the pre-born to those who are struggling under the oppression and injustice to those who are nearing the end of their lives. So if you will visit lifelinechild.org backslash image bears, you can learn more and sign up to be notified as our team releases this very important work. Well, with that, I do want to talk about as we defend those image bearers, as we defend life, one of the ways we do that is through adoption and foster care. And I know that as many families bring children into their home, uh, educational differences, educational struggles sometimes begin to be one of those first things and the first struggles and the first stresses that a family will have. And so uh, first, and, and more, I just, I want to, I want you to help us understand why it's important for families to advocate for their children uh, in their school system. Well, um, there's, I mean, several reasons, but one of the primary uh, reasons would be just the importance of establishing a positive relationship with the caregivers that your children are going to be with throughout the day. And that in doing that, you're going to be building partnerships with those educators, and they're going to be seeing, uh, seeing needs that you may not see. And also, you're just going to be helping each other to understand the needs of the children that they're serving uh, every day. Yeah, and Dr. Rick, I mean, I know that you and Denise have certainly had your share of advocating for your kids in the public school system. Why is it important that the parent is the one that's advocating, not waiting on an educator, a teacher, or a school administrator? Well, Herbie, I, I think there are a couple of reasons. One is is just the fact that even even as you look at the way the special education system is is constructed here in America, um, parents are part of the team that come together to make determinations about educational decisions, especially about 
um, special education and special education services. And, and, and so of all the people that are sitting around the table, um, one, as parents, we have to know that we have a seat at the table and we have, a, we have a voice into the process. And as a matter of fact, the law really gives us a fairly large voice into the process in advocating for our kids. Um, but I think also loving, and, and I love our teachers and, and administrators and people that we've worked with along the way, but, but all of them have um, you know, several things vying for their attention and several things pulling for their loyalty. Um, the budget in their school system, the bandwidth of the people in the school system, the needs of other kids and all those things. And the thing that Denise and I found is, is we're the two people that, that uniquely at that table have one interest and one interest only. And that's what's it, That's our child. And, and so we, we, we want to be active participants in that process because, because at the end of the day, um, we're not only the God appointed advocates for our children, but we're also literally in that process, um, the ones who, who are most focused on our kids. Yeah, and so, I, I mean, just even thinking about that, Dr. Rick, as you and Denise have advocated for both of, uh, really all three of your children, but specifically for your boys, just what are some practical ways that you would tell parents that they can begin to advocate? So, you know, I know that, that parents don't want to be fussy or they don't want to be seen as belligerent, but they do want to see uh, change happen for their children educationally. So what are some tips and, and what are some practical ways that they can begin to advocate? I think really the, the first thing is to, to begin to educate yourself on, on what services are available and the things that you can expect from the system. And, and that's really just a, a very cursory Google search to understand things like um, the, the, the various laws that are, that are present the different disabilities that are actually able to be um, to be qualified for special education services, and and then ultimately understanding like what can be done. Um, I, I think also, and I, I will speak as a as an international adoptive parent as well, is is the idea that that many times school systems are reluctant to walk through this process with children that are that are language learners. And so, you know, many times what you, in your kind of in your heart of hearts, you know that there's something going on and you know that there's something wrong, but the school system is reluctant and you may be a year or two or three years even um, late in, in being able to get an intervention for your child because, because they want to wait and see what's language and language development and what's actually, um, you know, some sort of cognitive impairment or, or other um, learning difference. And, and I think we have... We have found out along the way that it's incumbent upon the school system to meet your child's learning challenge. And so if your child is, you know, Russian is their native language, um, then they, you should have the right for your child to be tested in Russian and, and for that not to be an impediment to them receiving special education services. And I think we've also learned along the way that the sooner the intervention is done, um, the better. And so the more services we bring around and, and the more proactive we are, and, and you as a parent are probably going to find yourself being the one who's, who's sort of pushing that timeline um, because, again, you're concerned about one student in that equation. And most of the time, folks in schools are, are they're concerned with dozens or hundreds that, uh, that they're trying to manage on a caseload. Yeah. And, and, and with that, I think even some of the things that you've said are, are probably things that most families don't realize 
that you can even ask the school for and are services that the school uh, that the school is by law supposed to help give and supposed to help these families. So, Anmar, I, I guess what are some other services that a child can receive from their school that most parents probably don't know about? Well, basically, there's two there's two laws that uh, apply to kids with uh, disabilities or with uh, with learning needs. The first one is the Individual Disabilities Education Act, known as IDEA. And this is, they're both federally governed laws, but this is a, this special ed law is for children with disabilities. And then there's the Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. And so this is a federal civil rights law. So they're two totally different laws, but this is to stop the discrimination against people with disabilities. And so just even understanding the difference between those two laws can make a difference um, when you're advocating for your child at school. So, uh, and understanding who's eligible under both of those laws. And so, uh, if to uh, be eligible for the idea is basically a child has to have one or more 13 of the 13 disabilities listed in idea. And so that law uh, lists specific challenges like uh, learning disabilities, ADHD, autism, and others, but the disability must affect the child's educational performance and or ability to learn and benefit from the general education curriculum. So that's a mouthful, right? Uh, but basically the, the child must need specialized instruction to make progress in school to be able to qualify for uh, an IEP. Uh, but then the 504 plan, there are only two requirements, a little bit more general. Uh, a child has any disability under the section 504 covers a wide range of different struggles in school. And the disability must interfere with the child's ability to learn in the general classroom. But the, the 504 is more of a broader definition, and uh, it can include uh, learning, reading, communicating. But the child uh, may who doesn't qualify for an IEP may still qualify for a 504 plan, which is more uh, going to look more like uh, different accommodations or uh, modifications that they can use actually in the general classroom. So understanding the difference between those two uh, can go a long way for with parents. Yeah, and Dr. Rick, I know that one of the reasons that we call you Dr. Rick is because you have a PhD in education, and obviously Ann Mara has so much training and background in education. Most adoptive parents aren't coming to the table with this pedigree of, of having the, the two, you know, this word doctor in front of their name or having a pedigree of having all of these educational services. And uh, so what are some, some other things that you and Denise have even learned that are available from your local school system that, that most parents just may not realize are there? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, first of all, Herbie, I would, I would say that um, even with all of the education and, and my wife being a, um, a, special education teacher for 15 years, we felt lost in the middle of the system a lot um, as we tried to negotiate the, you know, the special needs and, and special circumstances of our kids. Um, and, and so I, I think we, you know, we learned along the way that there were things that were helpful to our children, um, like within speech and language services, um, the, the ability to use um, social stories to help our kids to learn how to function socially better. Um, and and our, our child who had some perception issues with regard to 
um, understanding social situations that they really could do some things to, you know, to add value to that. We, we learned that, um, that in, in combination and in concert between IDEA and, 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 a, and a 504 plan that our, our son who had um, some pretty significant um, fine motor skill struggles was able to use assistive devices like an iPad or uh, a, a writer in order to to be able to do many of his assignments and and you know things like that. We've um, we've learned you know through processing and and understanding the way that our that our kids process best that we've we've been able to have you know oral testing um, and and they're just there's so many different options that are out there of of things. Um, Really, I think the, the, the key thing that I would tell folks, you don't have to be an educational expert. You don't have to have a PhD in education in order to, um, in order to, to understand some of these things. And, and I think that, that you as a, if you don't agree with the plan that's being set, and if you don't agree that the intervention that's being given is something that is, um, that's adequate for your child or or specifically meets the need or the problem that you're seeing in front of you, that you as a parent always have the ability to be able to say that you disagree. Um, and it's relevant within the reporting and within the system for you to say that you disagree um, and to to really kind of challenge the people that are around that are that are attempting to to pour into your child or or to provide services for them for 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 you to to expand the possibilities of what services they may bring to bear. I I, I sort of Herbie, I sort of liken it to going to a, a to a, a doctor at times that um, when you're when you're a general practice physician and you've seen fifty cases of the flu this week and someone comes in and they have you know, fever and chills and, and the symptoms, you're, you know, typically the, the first thing that they're going to think of is you've got the flu and maybe begin to treat you for that, even if the tests don't show it. And I think sometimes what happens in school systems is that, that we have a, like a cluster of interventions that are, that are the things that we use all the time and that we're really comfortable using. And so those are the things that the school system runs to for almost every issue and, and, and the truth is that they don't have just a few things at their disposal. They have a, have a wide variety of things that are, that are, that are potentially able to be um, provided to your child. And, and, the, and, and so if you're not seeing um, the, those needs really being addressed and you're not seeing progress, you don't need to be afraid to speak up and say that you're not seeing progress. Yeah. And- and I know through much of what we've talked about and, and through these different laws and uh, the different ways that we can, can look at this, uh, I know a lot of families hear about these IEP plans, these IEP meetings, uh, the individual education plan. And Mara, what, what should a family expect in an IEP meeting? Who's eligible to have one of these meetings? And, and what should a parent bring or who should they bring to these IEP meetings? All right, yeah, well, uh, first there is a, for an IEP meeting, you're gonna have to qualify. Um, and so there is a series of, of an evaluation that is done, uh, which is interesting. A parent, you don't have to wait, the parents don't have to wait for the school to ask for this particular evaluation. A parent can actually uh, to request the evaluation. So um, like uh, Dr. Rick said, if you are, uh, if you are sensing that there's something going on, 
um, you you can you can request that evaluation be done. So the so um, after the evaluation is done and the child does meet the requirements uh, of the law for um, a, for an IEP or specific diagnosis, then uh, you will meet together with a team of people, uh, a whole team. And that team is going to include, it could include the special, it will include the special ed teacher, it will include the, the psychologist that did the testing, it will include a general ed teacher, it will include an OT, an occupational therapist, a PT, a social worker. There's just a whole team of people, including yourself too. And that's, again, you're actively engaged as a member of your child's team at that point. And so as you go into these meetings, the meetings are set um, so that they, um, they occur uh, annually. But just because, again, as uh, Dr. Rick mentioned, just because the annual goals are set, it doesn't mean that at any point you can't call upon um, the, um, the, the team to have another meeting and to maybe reevaluate something that may not be going as you thought it was, would, would go. But uh, during that meeting, you establish goals. And I like to refer to them as the, the SMART goals. So the goals for that child and that particular need, they need to be spe specific, measurable, attainable, result-oriented and time-bound uh, so that um, and again it's it's so much education uh, of just really understanding the different techniques the different tools that are out there that can be used and um, then after those are established the IEP team reviews that IEP at least once a year and anytime that there's going to be any kind of change to that IEP then um, the team has to request like a written notice uh, before before calling an IEP meeting so you're going to be actively involved in every meeting that uh, they're going to be having or that team is going to be having about your uh, about your child um, so, and then after that, the child must be reevaluated every three years to determine whether the services were still needed. Um, so there's quite a few things that go into it, but it's definitely uh, a process that uh, is, you can, you can um, understand by just like Dr. X said, just Googling, hey, what's the difference or what is an IEP meeting? Yeah, and Dr. Rick, I know that you and Denise have sat through several IEP meetings uh, and and been a part of those. For families that are now looking or, or even feel like they're staring down the barrel of a gun at an IEP meeting and don't know what to expect from a parent side and, and maybe have fears going into it, how can you assuage fears and concerns that a family may have that's about to step into one of these IEP meetings? Yeah, I, you know, Herbie, even with, uh, you know, as I said, even coming with the perspective of having some orientation from that, you know, professionally and, and an educational background, it was a pretty intimidating environment to, to step into for us. And, and I think um, Denise and I really, you know, along the way looked at each other a few years ago in some of the, some of the depth of um, determining eligibility with our kids and, and, and working out these plans and, and just kind of looked at each other and said, well, what, like what what does a family do who doesn't have the background that we have like how do you how how can how can those families actually know what to do or how to do and you know i think that's that's why we have stepped out at lifeline to 
to start um, Bridge Educational Services as as a ministry of Lifeline to specifically to come alongside adopted and foster families to help to negotiate that process because it is confusing and it is difficult and and so part of what the the program that Anmara leads here for us at Lifeline is is focused around. Um, us providing um, some independent assessment that kind of goes beyond and outside of what would normally be done in the school system, but then also writing what we call a bridge plan, um, which is which is essentially a coaching document to say, these are the things that you need to look for, these are the things that you need to expect, and these are the things that you need to ask for um, in an eligibility meeting, you know, for your child and, and in those annual meetings as, as you're trying to assess progress. And, and so, you know, we, we've just become convinced over time that a lot of even the struggles that we see in families, that, that many times we, we rush to thinking that these are, these are trauma-based behaviors and things that are, you know, that are rooted in trauma in the lives of our kids, that some of them are rooted in frustration out of, you know, over educational differences and the fact that, that our kids are really, you know, experiencing frustration and cognitive dissonance because, because they're, um, because they're not able to learn and not able to achieve and, and to do those things intuitively that, you know, that they feel like they should be able to. And, and, and so, so that's, that's why. And, and so I would say, get help, (laughs) get somebody to, you know, to be with you and to walk through the process with you. Um, And, and man, I, I like in our family, I will say that we, you know, we've not done this alone. We've reached out to friends and people that we know and colleagues that have expertise in particular issues and, and have done this on our own to consult with people. But I, I'm just excited that as a ministry, we now have a forum to be able to do that and a way to, you know, to really be able to, to help families and to, um, you know, to, to be a part of that part of, of you know, their journey. Yeah, and of course, Dr. Rick, as usual, gets ahead of me. Uh, that's that's what you get when you're dealing with a PhD all the time. He's always one step ahead. But yeah, I think as we we hear uh, this just this this encouragement for families to to get this help, uh, we don't want this podcast or or a, a webinar or something we say or write to be the only way that we're assisting families. But we want to assist them in this process because, as Dr. Rick said. You know, we don't all have PhDs or, or, or a background uh, in these educational services and special education. And, and two, we want families to know that while they got into this process, especially families that are pursuing the gospel, probably because they wanted to train up a child in the way that he should go, or they wanted to, to truly, as Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, they wanted to impress upon their children the word of the Lord and to, to, to disciple them. But many times we realize that these educational differences can be a barrier to ultimately discipleship of the hearts of our children. And so uh, education is something that's so important. And that's why, as Dr. Rick said, we are excited to announce this educational resources, the Bridge Educational Services. And so, Anmar, if you will, since you're leading out on the Bridge Educational Services, tell us a little bit more, uh, add to a little bit more meat to the bone that Dr. Rick put out there on what exactly Bridge is and and what the goals uh, are in offering these services. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, you know, we are all aware that families out there, you know, grow frustrated with the whole learning process and that their children, especially when their children aren't learning in a typical way. So we really want this to be a resource that helps bridge that gap 
from frustration to hope. So, and as you said, as Christians, as image bearers, going back to the book, we, we believe that every child has been created in God's image and has dignity and worth. So I, I see it as our job to help parents to reveal and enjoy that beauty of their child. Uh, and so in doing that, we can do that through uh, equipping and strengthening and shepherding families um, through uh, struggles like with processing speed and visual auditory process, working memory. Those are just some of the, the words that, you know, we hear daily, sensory processing. Uh, there may be, you know, a particular disability that you just aren't quite sure what it is. You can't quite put your finger on it. Uh, there's just something that's not not uh, clicking. And so we want to be able to offer like educational screenings for families to be able to try to figure out really what's going on. And uh, especially when things just aren't coming together. And again, as, a, um, as Dr. Rick said too, just the bridge plan is an opportunity for us to talk, to build those relationships, to be that resource, to, to walk through those IEP meetings to, uh, with you as a family, um, to offer suggestions, especially because there are so many different resources and tools out there to building even your cognitive core. We use a, uh, a, um, a, a, a cognitive developmental program that we really believe helps build those, uh, that cognitive core. And so uh, through an educational therapy. So we're also offering an opportunity to like uh, tutor uh, children online and in the office here in uh, North Carolina and in um, Birmingham as a way to just help parents feel, uh, bridge that gap uh, and go um, build that cognitive core so that academic core maybe uh, becomes a little bit uh, easier and the child feels more successful and, um, and, the, and parents are able to really enjoy who God has made their child to be. Amen. And, and I think it's important also for us to say that, that, that these services and these educational differences aren't just for kids that come into our home through adoption or foster care, but a wide variety of children with learning differences and, and, and learning in, in different ways. And uh, certainly we know that our school system is, is really uh, aimed at, uh, at, at the, the quote-unquote median child, but the median child is not the way that every child operates. And so I think it's very important as well as we look at these bridge services to help our children that are coming from difficult places, from trauma places, coming into our home through adoption or foster care to not feel again like they're different or they're, that there's something that's wrong with them, but for them to know that the educational system in America is trying to hit that median child and there are kids all across the spectrum, birth children, biological children. You know, one of the ways that, that Lifeline even became so much more well acquainted with what Ann Mara was doing doing and, and with the, the bridge services was because our own children needed some of these. The children that came in our home biologically needed these services because the, the traditional method of education, the traditional method of the way that we you know put kids in front of a book or in front of a lecture, it wasn't triggering with, with several of our children. And so these are things just to get their mind popping, their, their brains thinking, you know, in the same way that 
you know, Dr. Rick and Amar and I wouldn't just go run a marathon without training, right? You want to train. And so a lot of times we're putting our kids, especially kids from hard places or, or kids that have been institutionalized or kids that have had a lot of trauma, we're just throwing them into a system that they have not been trained up for. And so a lot of these services that we're offering is, is to help train up the mind, to help train up the, the intellect, to help train up the ability so that our, our, our child's receptors can begin to receive the knowledge and the education they need ultimately so that they can learn and grow, but also to help mitigate opportunities for us to be able to press upon them and disciple them in the way that they should go. And so uh, I know that we are extremely excited. Uh, about a year ago, we were in Colombia finishing up our trip and my dear wife, Ashley, had the opportunity to have a conversation with Ann Mara and, 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 and just ask her to come onto our team. And she's living in Raleigh, the Triangle of North Carolina. Uh, but like she said, these services can be received in Birmingham or Raleigh, North Carolina, but really they can be received wherever a family is. And so, uh, Dr. Rick, talk about why you're so excited personally about these bridge services and what mediums are we offering these services? So if, if someone's not live in Birmingham, Alabama, or can't get quickly to Birmingham or the Triangle of North Carolina, how can they receive these services if they're in Washington State or the, the great state of Alaska? Yeah, Herbie, I think I think that to me is probably the most exciting piece of all this. And and I'm, you know, really, I am excited because because I do think this is ultimately about discipleship and about us, you know, really unlocking the the key to the heart of our children and helping them to to have the capacity, not just to learn well, not just to achieve well in school, but ultimately um, that it that it adds to their ability to to follow Jesus and and to be a disciple maker. I, I think um you know, because of of the 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 things that we're doing, we're we're very much and 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 the things that Anmara has brought uh, to us and and others that are a part of Bridge Educational Services is is really bringing some 21st century um, knowledge about the brain, um, some some understanding about brain plasticity and and our ability to to learn and relearn. That um, that quite honestly, a, a whole lot of our educational system is sort of lagging behind in in the application of that. It takes a long time for those new things to find their way to the you know to the grassroots and to the you know the places where they're being applied. And so we're we're doing some things. We're offering those through um, through teleconference and and through the ability for folks to meet. Um, with an educational specialist online so that the testing can be done, um, the, the coaching can be done, the bridge plans can be done, and even um, some of the cognitive remediation that Ann Mara has talked about with playing brain games and, and some of the cognitive exercise, that can really be done uh, online and can be done in such a way that we're not just um, – putting this into the life of the child, but we're including parents in this so that parents can continue that work with their kids. Um, and, and it really has the sort of the side benefit of, of really increasing bonding and attachment and, and some of those things that we know that are, you know, that are key and crucial for, 
uh, emotional development and stability and regulation, you know, of our kids. And, and so um, there will be that. You can look in the future to see some other opportunities that will be on the horizon, um, including a camp environment where kids can come for, uh, for a short period of time, like a, you know, a three or five day camp. Um, to do a little bit of intensive work. Um, we also, in special cases, have the opportunity to be able to, um, you know, to, to work out an intensive for, um, for someone to come and, and really do two, three, four days in the home. Um, and so we just have a variety of ways that this can be, um, can be delivered and, and can be made accessible to families. But if you're anywhere that has an internet connection that's able to do a video uh, a video chat. If if you're in China, um, we have the ability to deliver these services and to to make that available to your family. Yeah, and and certainly, while we would hope that we could be able to give an exhausted resource list of all the things that that Bridge Educational Services can offer, it really would be impossible in this brief podcast to do that. But we want families to be able to learn more about Bridge and to get connected because we know that one of the common issues that most adopted and foster parents have are educational issues. Something will come up and we want to be there to help these families so that ultimately we can overcome these hurdles and, and bear and make known the gospel to our children. So Anmara, in closing, how can folks get connected to you? How can they get connected to these bridge services? And what are ways that, that they can connect with you and your team? Yeah, so um, they can connect through email. My email is a lifeline uh, email. It's just anmara.hinton at lifelinechild.org. Uh, would be one way. They also can go to the website, lifelinechild.org backslash bridge. And there is a, uh, an intake and just a brief intake form to just let us know that you might have some questions and what maybe some of the issues so we can make sure we're, we're uh, driving it in the right direction. Um, and um, then uh, I'll follow after that happens. I usually follow up with a phone call and just uh, to, uh, to consult just to kind of see where what's going on some uh, a little bit more intake and then we uh, we go from there. So yeah, I just email or go to the website. It's a great place to start. And we will put both Amara's email as well as that website link in the show notes. And so whatever you listen to this podcast with, if you will look at those show notes, both of these links will be on there. But just again, it's annmara.hinton at lifelinechild.org or directly to our website at lifelinechild.org backslash bridge. And we really do hope that families will understand the need and the importance of these educational services, uh, just the revolutionary ways that, that these simple acts really even will help your child and unlock a, a, a life's worth of learning, a life's worth of, of being able to, to integrate in with peers and others. And, and, and even so, we know going back to that same thing that Amar has said, and we've talked about this book that Lifeline is releasing, we are image bearers in God, made in the image of God. And so even with our children are unique, even when our children have unique learning opportunities and, and ways that they learn, and uh, even when it's sin that's been pressed upon them that has caused them to have these unique learning disabilities, we want them to know that they are still created in the image of God. They are still precious. They are still, they are still those 
those that, that bear the marks and the fingerprints of their creator. And so these services are some of those that will help them understand how uniquely special that they are. And so we're grateful for our team. We're grateful specifically for Ann Mara Hinton and, and the way that the Lord has used uh, her in the lives of so many and how he will continue to use her in the lives of so many children. And know that at Lifeline, we truly want to equip the body of Christ. We want to equip families to ultimately manifest the gospel of Christ Jesus to their children. But in so doing, we want to provide you practical tools so that you can get to the place where you can truly be able to manifest the gospel that 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 even in bringing these services, we're showing that uh, the gospel bears and says to us that we do all things that we possibly can to reach the hearts, to, to love on and to minister to and to help our children become whole. We're also grateful for Dr. Rick and for his influence over these services, his leadership, the ways that the Lord has so uniquely uh, blessed him and uh, grateful for this team that the Lord has given us. And again, if you are interested in getting connected to Bridge Educational Services, go to lifelinechild.org backslash bridge. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. <music>